Hey there, podcast fans. We've got another good one for you. This is Andrew Bray, the son of your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. Hello. Hi there, son. (laughs) Andrew, you're so great. I just love this time together. It's funny because, of course, I will always think of you as a mom first, uh, at least for me. But what I get out of a lot of these conversations is that people gather around you knowing that you care, that you care Um, about them. Uh, And so that that momishness that I love about you so much seems to be quite popular. Thank you. I I guess I could say that's great. I mean, it's not really because I'm a mom. I'm just lucky that I've met so many wonderful people and uh, they share their stories with me and they're just, oh, they blow me away. Some of the stories. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe momishness may not be the right title, but I think of you as a helper. <laughs> uh, in fact, sounds like you just had a great conversation with an amazing helper. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear? Oh, Josh Tovar. He's I've known him on Twitter for a long time. I've seen him celebrate other people. And I said, it's time to celebrate you, Josh. And he's like, so humble, so sweet. And the stories he told me, I I just told him a few times I almost started crying because I said, nobody knows these stories. You're just amazing. I mean, he, he tells me about immigrating here in 1977, not knowing, you know, the language and barely making it through school, joining the Marines eventually. Don't give it all away. Oh, gosh. All right. (laughs) I won't. But I tell you, the one thing I love is that Josh is here to share. So I asked him to share his story, not only in the podcast, but on the post. And yes, he did. Wait, do you see? It's It's a wonderful um, story to follow and make sure that uh, you sit down and enjoy this wonderful conversation we had. That's the thing is you, you care about these people so much. I'm so glad that people get to hear this conversation. So stick around everybody for a conversation with Barbara Beret and Josh Tovar. Hi, everyone. This is Barbara. I am so happy to have someone here. Well, we were going to have a conversation and then I had a <laughs> lost my power and we had to reschedule and we were just scrambling and oh, I just love him. It's Josh Tovar. Oh, thanks, Barbara. I, it's just, I, I, it's surreal to me after listening to your podcast that you fed me that softball. I just, oh, she's talking to me. I love it. Thank you, Barbara, for having me here. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad you guys are getting rain. I'm Not that much rain, but I'm glad California is oh. getting rain right now. Yeah, yeah. You might get some. You're in Texas, and I'm going to tell about you right now. Is that okay? My audience needs to know you. You got it. Thank you. So Josh Novar is a proud team member at Memorial Pathway Academy in Garland Independent School District in Garland, Texas. Did I get that right? Perfect. Oh, cool. Because we're going to talk about that. It's amazing. Amazing what you're doing. And yeah, I had to put this. Josh is an engaging, inspirational educator. Who knows? Kids do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And he really does this. 
I, Josh, I'm so glad you're here with me. I can't wait to tell your story, but also you do care. I just, I get blown away when I go on Twitter every morning and see what you put up. <laughs> well, thanks, Barbara. You know what? The, the beautiful thing about the thing that you've gone on for so many decades along with me, it's that beautiful passion that we see in our kids and our team members every single last day. Because you know what? That lives our spirit as educators. And it's, it's making sure that we do everything to see that wow, that pop. I talked to our team members at Memorial and where I've been, I let them know, let's create an environment to wherever you're listening to your favorite rocks, rock group, right? Because I know you're a Metallica fan. So, <laughs> I told you, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, I've been hearing the podcast and I'm, I, go, I love her even more. She's a Metallica fan. <laughs> you know, when we go see those concerts, everybody out there, and then we're waiting for the main show and then the lights go out and then... <laughs> Everyone screams, pop. That's the pop that we need. Just like when you taught that perfect lesson and the kids' eyes pop and they're like, oh, I get it. That's what makes our joy. That's why we're in the best profession out there, the profession that creates all the other professions in the world, public (laughs) education. I love what we're doing. And you know what? The only way we could do it is by accentuating the positive nonstop to making sure that we see that pop every day with our team members and with our kids. Oh my goodness. I was going to ask you what the why is and you just did it. (laughs) That was so, that, I mean, you can, you can elaborate on your why, but that was so, so good. (laughs) And you know what? And well, yes, I, I think that I should add, you know, in our original discussion, Barbara, I think that it's crucial that people understand that as a novice in the early 90s, I had a why to teach history. As I've gone through decades, three decades already in our field, obviously this evolves with the different chairs that I've had. Mm-hmm. And now sitting in the main chair on a campus and working with at-risk kids like myself, I'm that immigrant that came from another country. Plus, I was a knucklehead in high school. I was an idiot. I'm, to be straight out honest, I made very dumb, stupid choices as a high school student. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I saw a lot of my peers go through that whole trajectory in life getting into trouble. So my why now, the last handful of years, has been no more orange jumpsuits. Because I've seen too many of our kids, too many of our students start off, okay, you know the hardest year in college and in high school, the freshman year. You know that. Mm -hmm. We all know that. The hardest years ever are the freshman years. And that's where we lose a lot of our hijos. Our hijos make wrong choices like I did, and they go off the track. They fall behind on credits. They start ditching just like I did. And then they start making wrong choices to get them involved with the law. No more. We need to engage our kids in school. We need to create an environment that does engaging items. Most importantly, a loving environment, which was the first part of what I said, Barbara. Kids need to want to go to your campus. They need to want to go to your classroom because it's a safe place, not a fight or flight place where they get bullied in the hallways where they get bullied in the bathrooms, where they get bullied by the teachers because they didn't write their name on their paper and lost 40 points. They need a safe learning environment to where, you know what? I'm a kid and I mess up. Just like teachers, you know, they make mistakes sometimes. We know that. I make mistakes. (laughs) Right. As an administrator, I need to make sure that I work with you and progress with you and provide you opportunities for success. And in the big picture, it's this, creating a climate, a culture, a campus that is full of joy, love, 
consequences if you make the wrong choice, but loving consequences mm. and to know that we want the best for you. Because in the end, you know what, Barbara, that sophomore, that freshman, that junior, that senior, they're going to be the future citizens of America and they're going to be running this country. And we need to do everything possible to make sure that they're the best version of themselves because they will be needing us. Wow. I hope everyone just, they may want to roll the tape back a little and hear that again. That was so beautiful. That was like a keynote. You kind of be a keynoter. That was so beautiful. Now, your story, you started out, I mean, there's a reason I think that you're like this because you were an immigrant and you told me a little bit about your own story. Do you want to just share a little bit about that? Sure, Barbara. Um, my mom was a dedicated individual, and through um, the Methodist Church, she received a semi-scholarship to go from Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, which is the border town to El Paso, Texas, a minor scholarship in uh, Lita Patterson High School in El Paso. So she did some work to open her eyes on what the beauty of the United States is. Look, I'm a proud immigrant. I wasn't born in this country, and I do believe in the American dream, because you know what? I am Virginia and Jesus's American dream. They brought me and my brother to this country, and we have made successful strides to ensure that their vision of moving from Juarez to El Paso comes true. And so when we arrived, all our house was nothing. We're poor. Obviously, we're poor Mexicans. We're poor, and our whole house fit in the back of a truck. It got stacked up, but we really didn't have a lot of possessions. And my mom busted her rear end to make sure that we lived in an upper-class neighborhood. Wow. Upper class neighborhood hmm. in El Paso, Texas, there's a certain area that's connected to Fort Bliss. And a lot of our your viewers, listeners know Fort Bliss is a major military base in El Paso, Texas. And the area where the colonels, the majors and their wives were my teachers from South Carolina, from North Carolina, from Virginia. They used to live in the area where we moved in. Wow. So obviously, you know, there was a, there, a whole money thing, a whole language thing going on. And so there were obstacles with that, Barbara. Let me tell you, it became a situation that, look, I don't blame anybody. And I hear people out there in the news and media. I don't care about stuff. I'm telling you, they changed my name because my name is, my legal name is Federico Josue Tobar. Oh. But then when I arrived, all my uh, teachers were Anglo. They were all white. They could not say that. They couldn't say Federico Josue Tobar. They called me Josu. And trust me, that's very annoying when you're in elementary. So my teacher said, look, Josue is Joshua, and you're going to find less obstacles if I just call you Joshua. Since second grade that I arrived here, that's where Joshua or Josh has stuck. Hmm. And so they wow. renamed me for their convenience. And that's fine. You know, some people get offended by that nowadays. I don't care about that. I just care about the opportunities that were provided me to this country. So we learned English, you know. The things that went in the late 70s, that's how old I am, in the late 70s in elementary, obstacles, learning the language, um, discipline uh, issues, because if I, did, if I got frustrated, what would I do? I would be the one that would pick at the teacher to stop the learning. I would be the one that the kids would say, hey, hey, tell her something. Obviously, all this in Spanish. Tell her something so that we don't do the work. And I would, and I would go to the office. I got suspended in elementary. Oh, wow. So, these are, so th this was the domestication, like in the four agreements, he talks about the Don Miguel Ruiz, the domestication of me was that I would get out of work, I would get out of situations by misbehaving. So I understand that now. 
And that progressed into middle school. You know, we changed to another one. I became more assimilated into the American culture, obviously, because at that moment there was sink or swim. It was full immersion. So you really had to get your English going on. By the time I got to high school, uh, by that time, my parents were already separated. They were divorced. And my parents, you know, things happen. Again, I don't carry anyone's crosses. My parents divorced. They left me. And literally by my sophomore year, I lived alone in my own house. Oh, my dad would pay, my, wow. my dad would pay for my pay. My dad would pay for the bills, but that was it. You know, it was a you survive the best that you can. And at that moment in high school, I would just stop going, and I would whatever I would do, start working with um, working at Village Inn, which is a restaurant, and different areas was to get party money. Mm. And so everyone knew that I had a party house. So where, where would the ditch days be with me? Okay. I am not promoting that. I am not saying I'm happy of that. But if it wasn't for those situations, for that adversity of learning English, for my parents' divorce, I don't blame anyone. I just know that those situations made me a stronger individual. And so because of those situations that happened to me, I know the type of support that I would have appreciated on the other end. I never talked, I only talked to my counselor in high school once. Once. Wow. And that was, wow. Was like, That's crazy. What, what, Right? Yeah. What degree do you want? I go, what's the easiest degree? This one. That's it. That's the only time I talked to them. That was it. <laughs> and so along the way, no one called me about ditching. No one talked to me about truancy. All these kind of situations. No one said, hey, why are you not in school? So it's one of those things that I learned that I need to be able to connect with our students, making sure we provide them with structure and making sure that we show them the love and say, hey, dude, I miss you. I want you here. I want you to be there. And it's the reality that because of all those situations that I just presented to you, I need to make sure that I adjust my philosophy and my fine tuning to make sure that a future Joshua, a future immigrant, like the students that I deal with at MPA, that they don't fall off the rail. They don't go into that whole orange jumpsuit scenario. Wow. Well, you you said to me something about pivoting with ROTC. You didn't end up in jail. You ended up where? So <laughs> one of the things that led me into, pub, uh, into public education, and we'll, we'll, we'll cover that later down the road, was I needed the PE credit, mm. but I didn't want to be running because I, I was drinking too much. You know, it, it is what it is. Mm. And so I got into ROTC. And then while I was in ROTC, the cadets there, they would tell me, Etobar, you explain things good. We understand it because there's a certain pivot, a certain way of doing the flanking movements, right? So I just learned how to make something complicated into something simple. Hmm. And so when I would explain it to the cadets that were, you know, I thought they were a little bit slower than me. <laughs> they said, hey, thank you for teaching me. I understood the way you did it because the lieutenants, the cadet lieutenants, the colonels, or even the adult colonels that were in charge, they didn't know how to do it. They would just make us go run laps when we would mess up. So Tobar was there showing the other cadets how to do it. So that ingrained in me and that whole philosophy of making sure that I was able to assist somebody else and making something that's complex easier. Hmm. And that foundation allowed me, my brother went into the Marines active duty and I knew that I needed to restructure my life because I was such a loser in high school. I knew that I needed a way to pivot away from the heroin that was in my pathways around there, the cocaine that was around there, the acid that was around my life. I needed to make sure I pivoted because I was already 
very sad because of all the alcohol. I barely passed high school. I graduated the bottom of my class. So I needed something to restructure me. And the only thing that I knew that can help me out was something to help my brother out. So I joined the United States Marines. Oh, wow. When I joined the Marines, went to MCRD San Diego, did my, my, my uh, boot camp there. You know what? That's a beautiful thing about the United States Marines. They're known throughout history. They're known throughout the world for breaking you down, building you back up, but making sure that you're the elite, the best of the best. And during all those experiences that I have, and thanks to the United States Marine Corps, that established me a pathway of discipline that I never had. And now I could jump into the the university aspect, the trackway to try to give back to a community, which my mom, that's what she wanted. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, it, well, you can see that you can see yourself in those kids that come to you. So that's you, you can, you know, you have that heart because you were there. And that's the thing is that just imagine, just imagine those kids, if they didn't have the opportunity that you have in your schools, it could be going down another pathway, like you said, end up in prison or something. This is amazing that you're willing to share your journey this way. I think, I think people need to know that we're not all perfect. We learn through our struggles and then we become a better person. You are such an amazing person now. Oh, I just. And you know what, Barbara, that's a whole thing. You know, Principal Cafele, um, he, I, he's I'm one of his followers and he always says the line that you can't fake the funk. I'm just honest. You know, I try not to yeah. be brutally honest, but if you're always honest, you don't have to remember the lie. And, it, <laughs> yeah. and, and the whole thing is you got to be straight out with people. People respect that. Even though they say they don't, people respect when you're 100% honest. Yeah. And if you don't know it, bend the knee and just say, hey, I don't know it. If you have someone smarter than you, like I was smarter than them on how to pivot on a flank in ROTC, hey, teach me. Make it easy for me. That way I can be successful. Because in the end, you know, today in the morning announcements, Barbara, I told the kids, because every Friday is Reflection Friday, and I told them, you know what, guys? We all don't wake up. The custodian, the cafeteria worker, your teachers, myself, and you. You don't wake up every morning to be 70. You don't wake up to be average. You don't wake up to suck. None of us, are, none of us do. We all wake up to be excellent, and excellence is a habit. And I told them that, and I keep on reminding them that, because excellence is a habit. It's patterns of behavior that make you a successful individual and making sure that you stay focused on what the goal is. And wow. that is what I feel is that remember, reminding our students, this is where I was. I don't want you to walk that path. I was an idiot. I'm telling you, I was a drunk. I'm telling you, don't walk my path because it doesn't get you any, anywhere. And I still have learning problems. Barbara, I have three masters. I have three of them. And let me tell you, I have problems still today reading. And I tell this to our team members, our teachers, because they get frustrated with the kids. I go, don't get frustrated. When I'm in the room of a bunch of principals and at central office, they're doing PD and they give those articles to jigsaw and break down. I'm always the last one to finish reading it. I'm mm. always the last one because I still need to highlight, underline and do my side note. Mm -hmm. That's how I learn. But then you, you got all these geniuses next to me that they finished like in two minutes. And I'm the last one again. It goes back to high school. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be rushed. I'm not going to be pressured. When I'm done reading my article, I am. So it's one of those situations that it doesn't matter where you're at. You still have your deficiencies and your issues that you need to compensate for. And it doesn't matter what degree you have. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what experiences you have because we need to overcompensate 
the issues that we faced in life. And it will always be there. And that's mm-hmm. what makes us better educators. If we understand that, if we understand that we all come in with certain deficiencies and we need that other perfect jigsaw puzzle to fit in with you, to make sure that you're complete. I, I'm going to have to listen to this again so I can grab all your <laughs> quotes. It's just amazing because, I mean, I have my own problems reading. It's amazing. I, you know, I, I can write, I do all these, you know, do the things, but I have to read things over again. And so I'm like you, I, I highlight and, but it doesn't mean the thing is we're all unique and different. And if we can, you know, just look at, at, at each person as a, this is, you're so unique that I'm, I just can't wait to see what comes out of you. (laughs) It's the best thing ever when you see someone go, "Uh aha, you know, that aha moment that I just, I just learned something that I just love and learning about you. I am, you just made my whole day today. (laughs) I've been having some tough days and this is just what I needed to hear. And you've just, you went into education then you went to the university and you went into education. Is that, I mean, did you always want to be a teacher because of your mom or what, what was it? Oh, no, Barbara. Oh, I never went to school. Oh, <laughs> that's true. I never went to, how could I want to be a teacher when I never went to school? Not only that, but I ended up being a history teacher and I used to talk trash about history in middle school. I used to always uh, tell teachers, <clears throat> my history teachers. What do I need to learn about the dead people? They're gone. Oh what do I need to do that? I, need to learn I was that. a history teacher. <laughs> oh, so yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> but then it's always who's presenting that to you yeah. that makes you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, there's great math teachers that inspire kids to be mathematicians. There's great historians that inspire not only to be historians, but to be pol- politicians. There's great educators out there that do that inspiration. And you know what? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I was disciplined. And I knew that if I was given a timeline by a syllabus, I would fulfill it because the Marines taught me to fulfill my timelines, right? And so one of the things when I arrived to the United States, my mom would go to UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso. Look, what I'm about to say, we can't judge history by today's standards by back then, all right? Yeah. <laughs> my mom would just drop my brother off, me and my brother off, either in the El Paso Public Library, which was like two miles from UTEP, for hours alone, left us alone. And because there was a, a, a book club and we would read it and we would get little certificates or she would leave us in the arcade area of UTEP and she would pick us up till like around 10 o'clock when they closed. Wow. Look, it is what it is. All right. Stuff. It's different standards, different times. I don't blame anybody. That's what she had to do for survival. And so during that time, I liked hearing the conquistadores, Cortes, Pizarro, Balboa, you know, Cabeza de Vaca, Ponce de Leon. And I started reading them simple biographies by Ronald Sim because his writing style engaged me and I love the battles and I love all all that stuff that made me want to keep on reading more. And so when I started uh, the uh, school at UTEP, my mom said, well, you like reading history. How about you become a history teacher? And I go, oh, I don't know. I don't like history, but but I enjoy hearing it. So the coursework began, you know, the sophomore and freshman classes, you know, the general stuff, liberal arts. And then when I started taking the early classes in my um, 3300s for graduation, the upper level of histories, I'm like, oh, that's why I love this. 
Oh, all right. Hey, you know what? That professor, he wrote books about this. I love it. So they got me into saying, all right, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to become to make sure that people enjoy history, not just lecture and kill kids. Like, um, what is that? Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> What? You remember, you remember that? Where you <laughs> yeah, just I know. Anybody? 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 <laughs> so, you see, I wanted to be the total opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Provide the structure, provide the love, and give real-world examples, not only, but to connect to current times. Because as human beings, we're flawed creatures. We commit the same mistakes over and over. <laughs> Historian, you know, yeah, history teachers sure do. That. And mm -hmm. so, if you're saying, oh, hey, did you see what happened in... Uh, in this country, that's what happened back then. And so you're able to connect it because they're able to sometimes see it on the news back then when I started teaching. So it's one of those things that it evolved and I graduated. And during my student teacher, uh, my student teaching year, I was still in the middle of in the Northeast. And they, uh, the principal from Valley View Middle School, Mr. Victor Montes, called me and said, hey, I got a position. You want to come and talk about it? And I went to his school. And I sat down. He goes, well, what do you think? You think you want to teach history? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll call you back. I walked out and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> well, he has me nothing serious. He I was used to like committees and things like that. They prepared me for that. And so the next day they called me from um, Isleta Independent School District. Uh, you were offered a job for a history teacher at Valley View Middle School? I, I was. I was offered that job. <laughs> and so at that moment, I fell in love with middle school. Me too. I, I love, love middle, middle school. school. I would... Eighth grade. Yes, history. Oh, that's so amazing. Because that, yeah. And then you got to teach what you wanted to teach, U.S. history. That I was doing ancient civilizations. <laughs> the dead, that's fun, too. I know. That's I fun had too. fun. I had fun. Boy, that's... I could talk to you forever. Because we, when we talked before, you didn't tell me all of these things. This is just so fun. And I, I mean, so you taught for what? how many years? Ten years. Ten years. 10 years. And then I transferred out of Valley View Middle School and I went to Parkland Middle and in a totally El Paso, for those of, those of you that don't know, it's literally a Mexican town. Anywhere in the whole area, you could just go talk Spanish. It doesn't matter where, right? But there's this little enclave in the Northeast that are the four bliss parents, the military parents. So we have Asian, African-American, Muslim in that little area. So I went from a really lower valley, the lower valley area, all Mexican, all Hispanic. Really, there were no other Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Nicar Nicaraguans, only Mexicans. And I moved to the Northeast, and it was all multicultural. It was all the races in that little enclave. And so there I met the, beauty of, the beautiful woman of my life, my second mama, <laughs> the woman that created me, the woman that pushed me ahead in life, besides the Marines, Ms. Millie Williams. A strong African-American principal. She's the one that when I arrived there, she didn't hire me. She did not hire me. The previous principal over summer hired me, but then he got moved to a pre-K-8. And so she was brand new. I was brand new. And after a couple of months, she goes, I need your help. Strong lady, strong lady. I need your help. <laughs> I need you to coach this and this and this. I go, I've never coached that. Well, I'm not, I'm telling you, but I'm not telling you. Yes, ma'am. Again, the Marine does what he's told, right? And after she saw that everything she threw at me, it was handled correctly. It was handled without any flaws. She came back and one day she said, Coach, I need to talk to you. Yes, ma'am. This is the catalog for Seoul Law State University. 
you will become an administrator. Go enroll in classes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, sure, lady. I never saw myself there. Um, I, I always saw myself as an awesome history teacher, coach now. And that's what my, my, my mom ended up being a, a lifelong teacher, educator in, in El Paso also. I never thought of anything. And then the semester passed. It was spring semester. And she had another one in her hand. Now, didn't I tell you to enroll? <laughs> didn't I tell you? Are you taking classes? No, ma'am. That's expensive. Take classes. So that summer, right before, she told me, I need you to take classes and I'll take care of the situation. You know what she did, Barbara? This is talking about a beautiful human being that sees talent. Mm. She, re she created a position for me. We never had, um, like, there was a lot of discipline problems at the school, just so that you know, all right? But they never had, all, all they did was suspension, 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 hmm. or, or, or Saturday school. So she created an in-school suspension because she knew that I could love the kids, not kick them out, and I would guarantee that they would do the work. Mm -hmm. So she created a whole position for me. And she goes, Coach, I won't send you a lot of kids, and the ones that I will send you, I want you to work with them. And also, while you're there, work on your master's. Wow. So that I didn't have to grade papers. I didn't have to um, do tests. I didn't have to do none of that. So she did everything to make sure that I moved on to the next level of my life. Oh and my for that, Miss Millie Williams, I love her. My second mom, I sent you a picture of her. I was giving her a big hug when I left my last high school. When, they, they, when the whole school broke down and they did a big farewell for me, she was right there. Mm. And I get, you see the picture? I'm embracing her like, because my mom is no longer with us on this planet. So I felt there. I, I don't cry, Barbara. If you could tell I don't cry, I'm not a crier. Aww. But that moment. <gasps> oh, she wow to have someone believe in you that much. I get it. I get it. That is, and that's why I that's probably why you wanted this uh, to be at this other school when you became a principal. They but I mean, you must have just been the right person for it. And and that's the connection right there, Barbara. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So when um the majority of the, the next 20 years, I was um an administrator in the in El Paso area. And then this opportunity came open in the Dallas area. And I applied for it. And they told me, look, the school, we need you to help the kids that are at risk. But it's also a school of brand new immigrants. And I'm like, pop. Metallica is about to go on. Pop. <laughs> oh, Josh. You're so funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> pop. The lights went out. I'm about to hear your Metallica song. I'm about to think so. I'm about to hear something. And so sure enough, we moved my family over here three years ago at the start of Rona. Literally at the start of the closure oh of all the schools. How'd you do that? And my awesome superintendent, Rick Lopez, he said, Josh, stay in El Paso. Because you know, there's no sense in you coming over here when all the schools are closed and moving your family over here. So for the first year of Rona, I would uh, run the school from El Paso. Oh. And then, and then it became a while where I, I felt that is administrative uh, problematic because I'm not there. Mm -hmm. So what I did for the last three months is I would drive back and forth. I would say three days in Dallas, four days in El Paso. I would drive back That's and forth. That's pretty far, isn't it? 
That's 10 and a half hours. That's right. <laughs> How did you? Oh, my God. Well, you, you uh, to do it justice, yeah. you cannot, you know, it's very simple for me to sit on my laurels from El Paso and say, hey, my superintendent told me this. But you know what? He hired me for a reason. He hired me to make sure that I protected the board's vision and his vision. And so I cannot do that from 10 and a half hours away. Yeah. I need to make sure that the kids knew that I was there. And most importantly, our team members knew because I can't establish a vision. I can't establish norms. I can't establish policies and procedures from 10 and a half hours away. Yeah. They needed to see what I do because the number one and the top, top thing out there, guys, administrators, the top thing out there is that you role model expectations. Because yeah. if you say, this is what I want, you better be able to role model. I want engagement. All right, Mr. Administrator, show us you know how to engage kids. I want love for the kids. All right, Mr. Administrator, show us you know how you love kids. I want you to promote the great things that kids do. All right, Mr. Administrator, what are you doing to do that? So it's about leadership from the front, not telling from the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that gets me is how much you do. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I just love going, like I, I said in the beginning, how I love going on Twitter and there you are. You have the pictures and the videos of you sharing all the student of the week, teacher of the week, or, and then you're also writing notes. And I mean, this is your life. This is how you do this. And it models how much you care. Just like we, we said in the beginning, when they know you care, they care. You can see it. You can see it. So tell me a little bit about the school and and kind of like what's happened in three years now. Memorial Pathway Academy is based off three major, two major programs and one that's blended. The very first one, as I stated earlier, are all the brand new kids that arrive from Afghanistan, from Vietnam, from Africa, Central, South America, that they choose to come to our home to get a foundation of English. So there's four levels of English, and the majority of my clients arrive at a beginning level. It is our job to make sure that we work hard to get them to intermediate, if not advanced. That's our role, our job, because you know what? Josh, who came in from Juarez, I knew I was at beginning level, but I just went into the deep end. You better learn English. You better understand it, because all of us are talking English. So our role as an MPA familia is to make sure that we connect with the kids, we provide them that safe environment, that it's not a fight or flight, and educate them so that when we assess them, they're at the intermediate, if not at the advanced level, so that they have a fighting chance when they go to the schools in Garland ISD, because the schools in Garland ISD are above all middle schools, are close to 1,100 plus, and all mm. the high schools are 2,500 plus. Wow, la California. That's, that's big. Yeah, yes, they're, they good. are big. And especially if you're, if you look, what, what you're saying is you have such a multi languages and diversity and all of that. And no one's, they come without speaking English to your school. Yes. So exactly. how long does it take? I mean, what you have some kids that I am are so blessed, Barbara, I come to come over and see. Oh, I will. I am so blessed. I'm so blessed that I work with educators that create miracles. Um, Let me tell you, in one table, Barbara, in one table, you've got a little girl that went to school in her country, but then her parents pulled her out because they needed someone to take care of the cows. The next time she went to school was in high school. So she she mm -hmm. is illiterate in Spanish 
And most, most importantly, she's literate in English, right? Next to her, you've got girls that the Taliban would not allow to go to school. We don't need to go into that. You understand the history yeah, about that. Yeah. Right next to her, we've got kids that had money in Mexico and went to school, but they want to get immersed in it. And then we have next to them kids from Vietnam that have some English, some Vietnamese. So in the same table that you're creating a product, in, in whatever subject it is, right? You've got one educator that's trying to level out the playing field for all of these different levels. And you know what? My family that I work with creates miracles because there's organization, there's bell-to-bell instruction, and most importantly, there's love. Because you know what? The brain, we try to make sure that it doesn't go into the fight or flight. And so they have that caring environment in that mm-hmm. whole area. So that's the very first program. The second program are the kids like Josh, me, both, the other, older Josh. So it's the kid that was involved in gangs, the kid that has, uh, it happens, felonies. <laughs> it's a kid that is a teen parent, a teen mom at 16. It's the parent that had a horrible freshman year. And you know what? They're 16. They were probably retained in elementary. So they're 17. Mm. They have three credits in each 26th grade. So we work with this type of population that the system, the 1980s factory style that's still in place, that we're trying to change, Barbara. We're trying to change it, but <laughs> it fights us back. Um, <laughs> it creates so many obstacles, especially in this monolith of 3,000 kids. This huge city, it's hard. Kids get lost. Yes. So people say, where did they go? We lost them in the cracks. Yes, you did, because it's so big. Yeah. So Memorial Paco Academy, it's a nice, small area where they don't have to go eight hours. They go four hours. It's at their own pace. It's content work with teachers in there facilitating. So you might have uh, one kid working on English one, one kid on English three, one, cl- one kid on in- English 4A, all at different levels of graduation. And these team members motivate them, inspire them. We just had a graduate today. Beautiful thing. When they graduate, I stop all the school, oh. all of it. Oh. And then I play the graduation song and I call out their name and they thank teachers that helped them. Boom, pop. Again, the pop so that that kid from Nicaragua, that's a sixth grader, he hears the song. It's embedded. That girl that was abused by the Taliban hears the song. It's an embedded success breeds success. And we keep on showing that towards everybody. We keep on showing the kids, que si se puede. Yes, you can. That is the internal motivation that they need because they're not seeing it from Josh Tobar talking to them. It's not about their teacher, Don Shaw, the math teacher, talking to them. It's about seeing the success from their peer that was in that school, that sat in that desk next to them, and they pop, graduated. So this is a beautiful thing that is Memorial Pathway Academy and Garden ISD, Garden USA, creating these two things. Mm -hmm. And the third part that's kind of like connected, you have student X coming in from, let's say, Mexico that had some school, but not a lot of school but they're too old to go to the, to the comprehensive schools. They're too old. Wow. They arrive at 18 <laughs> and they might have only two credits, but they need 26 credits. So what we do is we keep them with us so that they only stay there four hours. Some of these guys have to work to help their families. They're not rich. They're coming from another country. So we want to make sure we educate them because they're still the future of this country, irregardless of politics, Irregardless of philosophies, we need to educate our kids because in the end, 
This old 50-year-old man is out the door. That kid from Mexico that's in here, he's the future. Whether we want to or not, he's the future. And I need to educate that kid, that girl from Afghanistan, that kid from Vietnam. We need to educate him because they're the future of this country. And the better prepared they are, the better citizens they're going to be, and the better leaders they'll be. I, I'm sitting here just thinking uh, everyone needs to go visit because this is, you know, I did, I wrote books on personalized learning, but you're doing it. I mean, what you're doing is really supporting the kids that fell through the cracks and you're helping them. Like you said, they're finding their way, they're, they're succeeding because success breeds success. They're hearing it, they're seeing it, and they got the love there. So I'm running out of time, but I do want to talk about, you also have a podcast. Do you want to just share a little bit about that? And maybe we can get people to join, come on over and listen. Most definitely. I highly encourage every single last educator across the world to reach out to us at Unlock the Middle. We have three shows, three shows, guys. Show number one is the flagship show on Sundays. It's at 7 p.m. Eastern. And what we spotlight there are national speakers, our authors, people that bring sage advice for all of us. It doesn't matter who, because they've written a book, because they've been so many years like this beautiful lady in front of me. You're not seeing her, but I'm seeing her. This beautiful lady <laughs> with all the books in the back, her and Rita and everybody. They go there on Sunday and we give them 40 minutes of knowledge, mm. just nuggets of knowledge. Because you know what? Success breeds success. Iron sharpens iron. And you know what? If I don't know something, I go there and it's free PD at your fingertips. It's free PD. Just like Barbara's podcast. Check it out. You should see her blog post. Check it out. That's free PD, guys. And so Chris and Dean had this idea. That was their original idea. Then they said, hey, Josh, what do you think about this? I go, what? Let's expand the show. Sure, let's expand the show. Uh, you know, like uh, like they said in the movie to uh, Tombstone, I'll be your Huckleberry. I'll go in. <laughs> and so Val Kilmer reached in and said, how about we discuss problems that are faced by educators? And, and I go, okay. So then Dean came up with this great idea. Dean is one of the uh, founders. And what we came up with is a Tuesday show. It's called Office Hours, just like in college. The university, professor's office hours, and we discuss a topic. It's only 20 minutes. Barbara, it's only 20 minutes. We've broken the 21 minute mark. 21 minutes. We're there and we present a scenario. Uh-huh. Whatever the scenarios, and it's a real world scenario that any that we've faced as educators, like real life examples. The last example uh, was a baseball fight between two teams. And the two teams attacked each other and the parents attacked the kids. Wow. So we tell those administrators, we tell those teachers, what would you do? Because it happens. We see it, Barbara. Yeah. We yeah. spend the news. A lot of conflicts. And, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what would you do? So that's our 20-minute show, office hours. That's it. And then we have Red Zone. The Red Zone on Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern. And 9 p.m. Eastern, what we do is we have the specificity of a topic. Last night, Barbara, special ed. Special ed. Oh, wow. Educating all. Educating all students. We had a team member that had been in the classroom for 37 years. We had a regional uh, special ed uh, coordinator from Texas uh, helping us, a director from an ISD, Mm. someone from Delaware. We all discussed the problem. Next, the following week, we're going to have curriculum. Curriculum, the who and the what. Not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, we're going to have 
Cor- Mr. Coripol. We're going to have oh, Sean I know, John. Yeah, I know. Mom. Yeah, we're going to have great yeah. presenters <laughs> that go on national conferences like Barbara Bray right here. They go and present at national conferences. So why spend money sometimes when your district might not have it or your campus when you got this free PD? And then in three weeks, three, uh, Dean came up with a great idea. We got five, five head football coaches from California, Ohio, Florida, Texas, and I believe Pennsylvania, one of those. <laughs> and they won the state championship in football at the biggest league. Wow. Tell me they do not bring leadership. Tell me those guys do not change a whole city. <laughs> a whole city. If your football team for that city wins the state championship, yeah. pop. Metallica yeah. just came on. Yeah. Pop. Yeah. So we're, they're going to be here talking to everybody because we're not talking about passing or running the ball. We're talking about leadership and unity because you cannot be a state champion without having a vision and united a group. Well, coach, <laughs> that that was amazing. I know you had three, but I didn't know all the people that you're going to have on. And, and this is just wonderful. We're going to make a blog post that's going to blow all the other blog posts away, right? We're going to put all the links and t- actually how they can actually, you know, get on line and see some of these and hear you. Oh my goodness, Josh Federico. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That was just wonderful. And so if, is there any, the best way to reach you and maybe a contact information, anything? Um, I, I know that the beautiful blog post that uh, Barbara does it will have everything, but I'm, I'm on all our social media platforms. MPA go Jaguars Twitter. I'm a I'm the bluebird. I don't <laughs> care about politics. I don't care about noise because that's how I have connected with other educators. That's what I care about. So reach out to me <clears throat> on our Facebook MPA Jaguars, our Instagram MPA Jaguars. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Also, I want you educator. I want you to join us. But most importantly, I I will be remiss if I don't say this, Barbara. You're doing the Lord's work. Oh, I hear you. I hear your podcasting. You start that beautiful love that you have with your son. And I want to I want to hear what you say when you talk about this podcast. But you know what? What you do and the way you inspire other people, you go to the conferences, you present that beautiful red book. What is your why? That's what we cannot forget. We cannot forget the why. Why we're there, because that kid in your classroom with a hoodie on, with the earbuds on, with their head down, there's a problem. And he's yelling at you. He or she is yelling that they need love, that they need caring, and there's obstacles. And people like you, Barbara, bringing all these different guests on, you're doing the Lord's work because you know what? This is free. It doesn't cost a PO. We don't have to go to a different part of the country. And you're bringing the knowledge and the content to other people that will become better versions of yourself. And that's what we ask of our students, right? We tell them all, be the better version of yourself. Hey, educator, listen to Barbara, listen to (laughs) Cafele, listen to Ken Williams. Listen to Todd Whitaker. Listen to Jimmy Casas. Listen to it because you know what? That's how you become the best version of yourselves. I love you and thank you for having me here. Oh, I love you too, Josh. I I just make sure that everyone listens to you. You, this is just was amazing. So I'm sending you a heart, love, hugs. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast. 
and my conversation with Josh Tover. His story was so engaging and inspirational. I know. You'll be motivated to want to learn more about Josh. So make sure you check out the blog post that goes with this podcast on BarbaraBray.net that Josh helped write. It would be awesome if you subscribe to my podcast. I'd be really grateful if you wrote a review. You're welcome to subscribe to my website at BarbaraBray.net to receive updates, resources, stories, and more podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe and be well.